and welcome back to Hey Look Listen. My name is Liam Sheehan and I'm joined here by Kevin O'Carroll. Hi Liam, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. This is technically our uh, Halloween episode, Kev. Mm, it is spooky season. It's spooky season. I messaged you behind the curtains. I messaged you and I was like, Kev, apropos of nothing, I really want to do an episode on Final Fantasy X. It just entered my mind and I was like, wouldn't that be fun to talk about? And then you were like, why don't we do um, Silent Hill because it's Halloween? And I was like, that's way better. <laughs> that's a way better idea. Yeah, well, uh, we'll get around to Final Fantasy X though. There's plenty to chat about there. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, for now, for the time of year that's in it, <laughs> might as well exactly. go with the horror vibes, you know? I didn't even think. I didn't even, I was like, Final Fantasy X for Halloween, why not? But I think... I'm still on the fence, or not really on the fence, but I think this episode, we, we do we do an episode every two weeks, so it, we can't land one <laughs> directly where I'd want on Halloween if we stick to schedule. I think it's coming out, I think I'm going to release it early. Okay. But there's a possibility that people might be listening to this after Halloween as well. It's undecided, because super secret behind the scenes of Hey Look Listen, um, someone is returning for an episode mm. spectacular. One Jonathan Marsley has an episode, he has a topic he just couldn't not record himself talk about it and and I, I i'm gonna release that episode as well but i think do you know what happened i, I actually i'll reveal i think it will be before halloween because if i release it on which is tomorrow for well, like when we're recording now we'll actually release an episode of silent hill on a day where there's a big silent hill announcement happening Kev. yeah i think that's that's serendipity isn't it it is very so if anyone is listening going wow what an interesting um topic that was you can continue the Silent Hill experience by tuning into the Konami thing that they're doing. Um, it's probably going to be a shit announcement, but it could it be the biggest thing ever? It could be the new game or something. Yeah, and if anyone is listening from the future, yeah. you can look back on our uh, excitement and realize what fucking idiots we are when it is inevitably <laughs> a new pachinko machine or tie-in NFT. <laughs> That's an interesting quandary, actually, Kevin. Is it a good idea to date these things by uh, talking about, you know, what the events of the time or should I should I aim to be more timeless and just talk in vague terms well I don't know I think if we make it any more vague we might confuse both of our listeners so I'm I'm confused both of our hosts are confused as well yeah before we get on to the spook um are you playing anything at the moment or are you playing spook what's happening um well I played a little bit of spook in preparation for this conversation I watched um, some YouTube videos in preparation yeah, it's pretty much the same thing, isn't it? You don't need to, no one needs to play video games anymore. <laughs> um, so I did. I played um, two Silent Hill games, both of which I'm sure we'll get to over the course of the conversation. Oh, really? But there's one sort of ever-present game in my life for the last couple of years that I found myself playing an absolute ton of in the last couple of weeks, and that is Slay the Spire, the, uh, uh, yes. the roguelike deck-building game. And I'm, I don't know what it is about that game. It just it has its hooks in my brain. I can't help it. Anytime I think I should play it, I'll end up playing it for hours. I've I have it on my phone. I have it on Steam. I have it on the PlayStation. I put hundred. <laughs> it's just I don't know. It's like it's specifically designed to waste my fucking time in the best way possible. I love it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a nice time sink. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm convinced I'll find a way in to get a to get it covered on this in a, a full episode in some way. But that's probably down the line. I'm, uh, I've probably played a fraction of what you've played of it, but I have played it and I think it's really good. And actually, um, I communicate to my own brother through podcasts right now. <laughs> I know my brother would love this game if he ever played it. I don't know if I've ever recommended it before. Yeah, from what you told me about your brother and how he's into XCOM and stuff like that, yeah, tactics yeah, side yeah. of things, I can yeah, see yeah. that working here. It's, um, it's a cracking little game. It's well worth a look. 
Mm. I did a a full replay of God of War. Oh, twenty eighteen, and uh, I hadn't played it since it came out in twenty eighteen, and I I wanted to do it before the new one comes out, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it holds up. Deal. It's, it's oh, I thought it was even better than I the first time. Fantastic! It's, it's a bloody masterpiece, isn't it? Like it really is. It's, it's just so so good. Uh, because I'm a big baby. If a game's coming out that I really like, and it's near Christmas, within like a month of it, I wait. So I will be avoiding, I won't be playing God of War 2 until Christmas, Kev. I'll be okay. over, over a month of, uh, or God of War Ragnarok, I should say. It'll be over a month of me avoiding spoilers online, because I really don't want to get spoiled, but I also really want to open it on Christmas yeah. Day. It's such, a, it's such a foolish thing, but it's actually something I always do for myself. If it's a big deal to me, I don't know, Just play. I love playing it over Christmas, you know? Yeah, no, I can understand that for sure. Um, and and hopefully you'll be able to remain unspoiled for the I, I, couple of months. I'm not confident, but that would be that would be nice. But I'm just not confident. I yeah. think it's going to be too much of a big deal, you know. Especially because I'm probably going to text you spoilers on launch day. Thanks. But uh, yeah, let's get on to the main event, Kev. The the Spook franchise, arguably the most famous spooky franchise of all time. Arguably, I, I, arguably I, yeah. I'm not going to argue, but um, before we dive in, how about this? Silent Hill is a horror anthology media franchise centered on a series of survival horror video games created by Keichiro Toyama, developed and published by Konami. The first four video games in the series were developed by an internal group called Team Silent, developmental staff within Konami. The later six games were developed by other mostly Western developers. Right, so I'm going to right off the bat admit something where... I have a few things like a Zelda, like a Final Fantasy, where I feel very confident to go. Kev, I, I got everything you need to know, podcast listeners. I'm ready, you know. Yeah. Silent Hill, not really. So this is more. I don't know about you, but this for me, this is more. I'm gonna zone in on the Silent Hill, Silent Hill games I've played, which I love, but I haven't. I've barely kind of scratched this franchise. I feel in a way. Yeah, kind of the same to be honest. I, I had a similar experience prepping for this episode that I did when we were getting ready for our, our Crash Bandicoot episode. Where mm-hmm. I went into it thinking, like, I'm a Silent Hill fan. I know lots of shit about Silent Hill. And then I like, looked at the list of titles and went, I haven't played most of these. Yeah, but I, I don't feel like an absolute fraud either. Well, I, I do in every everyday life. But I like the ones I've played, and there's a few, I love them. Yeah. This is a topic I've wanted to do on the podcast for ages because they're just the most interesting things. But um, Silent Hill wasn't a part of my childhood, Kev. We didn't have Silent I think I, we had a demo that came with Metal Gear Solid. Of the first mm-hmm. Silent Hill game, but for me growing up, Silent Hill was always this kind of distant franchise that I was just like, it was almost like a mystical thing. We never had them. There was always kind of like a weird kind of rivalry between it and Resident Evil. And if you're a fan of Silent Hill, you're a fan of Resident Evil, which you choose, whatever. But I remember literally, I'm not even exaggerating, literally as soon as I could ha- I could have my own money and spend things, I remember... Um, I remember buying physical copies of Silent Hill 1 and Silent Hill 2 for the PS1 and PS2 because I was just like, oh, I can buy whatever I want now. I'm a stupid-ass adult. And they were like one of the first things I ever played um, when I had when I had gainful employment. Was it a, was it a childhood thing for you? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, I think you, it, you have access to your own memories? <laughs> debatable at times. Because, <laughs> yeah, it, it came out in 99, and I feel like yeah. I probably played it if not at launch and like within the first year yeah I, ha- I had very permissive parents like at the, by that point i had played two out of the three resident evils that had been released mm. um i don't know i think maybe they just didn't realize how fucked up some video games can be they're like it's just toys 
it doesn't matter it says 18s on the box let's just buy it for him anyway and then they'd like leave me in the room alone in the dark just shitting <laughs> myself shooting zombies and shit you know and did it affect you or were you or did you just think it was cool it's weird the resident evil ones never really did i think it was because there was always a degree of schlock or campiness to them sure yeah that even in my sort of young state i still picked up that this is like fun scary not scary scary like a ghost train yeah yeah and then i had like with silent hill and particularly with silent hill 2 kind of like the opposite side was like no this is just scary Hmm. well let's talk about it the first game because i kind of want to start off by just saying that games are often labeled as mature you know you kids shouldn't play them but there are a few games especially back then now a bit different a lot more going on Back then, there was a games a few games I'd kind of hazard to call properly mature, like I'm Conkers. <laughs> yeah, there is a singing shit in that one. I'm an advocate of um, violence, cartoon violence in media. I love it. I don't think it's bad. But I'm talking about like, if, if, like I don't think Gears of War is mature. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. It's video games are often very adolescent in their quote unquote maturity and they're very kind of just like bloody and stuff like that. Silent Hill genuinely is like kind of a mature piece of, piece of media, especially the second game, but we're talking about the first one. Yeah. It's a very um, just excellent piece of horror media. Like I, I, one of the best ever, I'd say. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it, um, it, it draws from a lot of different influences and kind of melds them together in a way that was very, very effective, particularly at the time. I suppose it came out, like I said, in 99. So it was around the time of the third Resi game. And it was doing that's doing a similar sort of survival horror type thing, but unlike the Resi games, which had the sort of the the pre-rendered backgrounds, this one went for sort of three D rendering in real time, um, which obviously, given the limitations of the hardware at the time on the PS One, meant that they had to find some workarounds to make this work in an effective way. And what they settled on is, I think, one of the game's biggest strengths, which is just the fog, the weather effects. Just absolutely quintessential example of making your limitations work for you. Absolutely, yeah. So the, the the entire town is shrouded in this thick fog that sort of obscures and limits your vision at all times, and it serves two real functions. It sort of it, it helps to create like an oppressive and claustrophobic atmosphere, but yeah. it also hides the technical limitations of the PS One yeah. because the game probably had a tiny draw distance. They could only render a couple of feet either direction around the character. But by couching it in this fog and making it like part of the atmosphere of the game, it just it doubles down on the whole thing and makes it feel much tenser and creepier. And I think like when you when you say Silent Hill to me, like I think like the, the image that like forces its way into my brain is just like thick fog and fucking creepy things crawling out of it. And it's so inspiring and clever that that was it was due to technical limitation, but they made it work for them, you know? Absolutely, yeah. So I suppose we should do a little bit of what the game is about. Um, Harry! Yeah, so it's set in the uh, fictional American town of Silent Hill, mm-hmm. and the game follows the story of one Harry Mason, who wakes up in the town after a car crash, sets off to find his missing daughter, Cheryl. Cheryl? Where's um, Cheryl? Where's Cheryl? Yeah. Radio. What's going on <laughs> with that radio? Just iconic dialogue. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you like you explore the town, um, which is it, it's like it's caught in some kind of waking nightmare. Uh, like yeah. the road, the roads are all torn up, the streets are crawling with monsters. They're like littered with 
there's blood stains, there's mangled remains scattered around the place. It's um, it's generally well, not it's a like good time. Much like Limerick City after a Saturday night out, am I right? <laughs> Me after a few high knees, you know? Guess? Yeah, no, I'm still here. <laughs> You're done? I'm done. That's all I got, man. Rest of the episode's on you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you, as Harry, you run into some like local townspeople. I think there's the cop. Um, Sybil. Sybil, yep. Who gives you a gun, and then you sort of you have your gun, your flashlight, your radio. It kind of becomes your essential kit for the game. Um, also, you get a uh, a physical map of the town that Harry finds and makes notes on as you progress through it. I love that little detail. Which, yeah, I'd like uh, following on from our discussion about hub worlds in the Crash Bandicoot episode. Nice. Physical maps is another thing that I'm an absolute sucker for. Any time that the map in the game is a physical object that the character can interact with, rather than just a UI feature for the player, it's like Chef's Kiss. I'm in. La, la, a recent enough one I can think of that stands out to me is um, a section of Last of Us Part Two, yes, where you're on a horseback absolutely. and you can pull out a map, and as you visit places, Ellie physically makes notes about where the art circles them and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Or I'm thinking of in Firewatch, where your yeah. map is like. A, an item you have to equip and hold in your hand in front mm. of you, along with a compass. For sure. But that kind of ties into a kind of... I, I don't want to come at Silent Hill in, in a direction that's just comparing it to Resident Evil, but I think mm-hmm. you, have to com- you have to compare them, though. Uh, and they're interesting to compare because they, they are very similar, but they do things different in key ways. And Resident Evil... like you, Both of these have you wandering around kind of... Um, areas like you eventually go to a school and stuff like that a hospital mm. and they're all kind of um essentially kind of giant kind of puzzle boxes almost that you have to um solve puzzles in you have to navigate them you have to unlock doors yada yada i would say resident evil feels more designed it feels more like um a game i feel like the, yeah like the, spencer, the spencer mansion feels like it, it doesn't feel like it could exist in the real world almost it feels like someone designed this to be a kind of you know something for the player to figure out and that's not a criticism or a compliment it just simply is silent hill kind of endeavors to make it, it is the same in terms of like you are wandering around you're going around arseways you, you can't get through this one door so you gotta find some key for it. you gotta solve like really precise item puzzles yet you often find yourself coming to like a slew of locked doors that can never be opened and harry actually scratches them off on his on the map right yeah it just it just makes it feel more kind of realistic and lived in and maybe gameplay wise it might be tedious to just be like trying to open so many doors but it's one of the kind of um i don't know one of the the flavors of silent hill that i love so much that they kind of try to kind of design levels and the levels are in a very video gamey way but they feel real because so much of it you don't get to visit you feel just feel like you're in some fucking random hospital yeah for sure and even on the streets of silent hill itself like the you because you have the full town map you feel like it's this massive sprawling area for you to explore and as you do explore it you know you start finding that a lot of streets are dead ends because they've been torn up and harry marks them off with x's on the map and in terms of actual like navigable space it's only really two or three roads with connecting alleys or something but it still has this sense of scale because you're comparing it to the full map and also because of the oppressive fog limiting your vision you're never fully sure how far away anything is Mm. And now, did you play this in preparation for this episode? Did you play? Did you replay it? Because I haven't played this in years. I'll admit. 
yeah, that's actually one of the the spoopy games that I was playing recently. Uh-huh. Um, I played another game in the series uh, that we'll get onto later, I'm sure. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, over the last week or so, and then when I finished that, I was just like, I'm going to go back to the first one. How does it hold up? Really well, mm, really surprised. well. I was I'm really surprised. surprised. Were you? Yeah, yeah, a little bit because I I replayed original Resi recently, or well, the the director's cut version. Okay. And yeah, like it's it's good for sure. Um, but it controls like absolute shit and <laughs> the the like the the remade version that came out in the GameCube and various other places since is just so much better. It just iterates on everything so well. Yeah. But going back to like just original basic day one Silent Hill, it holds up really well. It's still spooky as fuck. Um the like the atmosphere, the the combination of the sort of the eerie soundtrack with the static from the radio that tells you when there's monsters nearby. The um, well, well Marcy on this podcast before has like he's very bad with scary things. He often brings up like how much the radio scared him. I think it was actually in Silent Hill too. But the radio was such a, a genius thing in terms of like <laughs> a bit of design because you learn to just fear hearing it. It it basically crackles when there's monsters nearby, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it has the added effect that the monsters can also hear it. Really, yeah. So you'll draw their attention. So if you want to know if there's enemies nearby, you can have the radio turned on. But mm. in doing so, you risk drawing their attention. And it's the same story with the uh, the flashlights, particularly in like the, the darker sections. You you need the flashlight to be able to see, but also you're much more visible when it's on. So th- th- there's this constant like tug of war between, do I want to use the gadgets and navigate and risk drawing more attention on me? Or do I want to try and sneak through? And sneaking never works. So you just turn the gadgets on and deal with whatever shows up. And it's like I, I remember as well that that game just throws noises at you that don't have any purpose other than to, to like creep just you out, fuck with you. Yeah, which I always thought was very clever. Like you think, like I remember first time playing it and wandering around the school, and there's a corridor you can go into, and you just hear like <laughs> or, some, or something, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, because I was, this wasn't my first rodeo, I'm a video game boy. I was like, oh, I'm hearing some maybe a boss I'm coming to. It's setting something up, but no. You just hear noises in Silent Hill. Yeah. <laughs> there's no and there's no kind of origin of them. There's no explanation, and it does. I, like I said, I never played this as a child. This isn't a childhood game. I was about nineteen, I think, when I played this. Twenty maybe. So I never, I never had kind of a the childhood fear of it like I did with like the original, original Resident Evil, which I've covered before. But I remember noting that despite the PS1 graphics, despite the kind of rudimentariness of it, yeah, it was very unnerving to play. It was very unnerving to be in. Yeah. And it still is like playing yeah. it. I was playing it yesterday evening, and I got to the section in the um, the elementary school. Yes, and um, it's just it's still just as creepy as it was back then. Those mm. little nasty mutated children creatures that cling onto you, <laughs> the fucking the bodies strung up on wires and stuff. It is properly um, creepy stuff. A soundbite that I like overuse on this podcast is you know I. I tend to enjoy games because I, I genuinely like being in them. Yeah. And one of the biggest compliments I'll give Silent Hill, like I'm, I'm singling out the first one here even, because it's, it's notable that it's old 32-bit <laughs> graphics, you know, is that I really don't like being in it. I mean, yeah. I love it. I love playing it. But when I turn it on, it's almost like tiring when I'm playing it, you know? It's, it's like actually yeah. kind of a little bit kind of like, oh, God, you, you want it because it's the most compelling thing ever. You want to keep going. But also, wouldn't it be nice to turn off the PlayStation? <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it takes it out of you. Yeah. yeah. 
I completely agree with that. But the biggest compliment that I can give it at the moment is that I started playing it as sort of research for this chat. And yep. I am going to, I am going to keep playing. And I'm going to finish it out this week. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm probably going to see if I can find a way to play two as well. Cause I haven't played that in years either. I have a copy of two on PlayStation two, but other than that, I think the only way to play it is like a shitty remake that was released. That was like almost universally hated. Yeah. Um, I mean, that remake I haven't played, but I believe the the biggest sort of cardinal sin was that they thought it would be a great opportunity to like upgrade the visuals and increase the draw distance, so they took the fog out. Mm, I know, I know, and they and they re-recorded the voice acting as well, which oh yikes! But that kind of ties into something because uh, Silent Hill One has really funny voice acting. Let's be honest; it's kind of it like it's kind of like the first Resident Evil, um, which is kind of a. A feature of the times, you know, <laughs> some games just had um, bad voiceovers, but like a few things that I want to get to, it actually kind of adds to it. You wouldn't change yeah. it. It yeah. adds because Silent Hill doesn't feel like, it, it feels like you're in a nightmare, for lack of a better word. It feel, everything feels just a little bit off in the game, yeah. you know, it doesn't feel like, it feels like heightened reality. And the fact that everyone talks weird actually just like it adds to that, it's a bit of spice on top of that. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's got this almost fucking like David Lynch vibe. Oh yeah, I where think... it's it's this sort of it's this town with like unusual characters and it's these weird sort of Americana sort of vibes mixed with like the occult and the otherworldly mm. in a way that that really reminds me of Lynch. Like it, I wouldn't be surprised to run into an NPC holding a log, you know. <laughs> and it's and it's kind of a part of it, like kind of improving that, kind of wouldn't improve it essentially. But it's a few things I kind of learn, like kind of you know learning learning about game design as you get older and kind of noticing things. What do you think of the notion of some aspects of games, either purposefully or accidentally, it doesn't matter, being bad can actually be better for the overall experience? Because I I think Silent Hill kind of controls like ass. The combat is kind of ass. I think the camera works against you. I think you have to fight the camera as much as you have to fight like the ghoulies. But I think all that works. And I think the fact that the combat is bad, the fact that you kind of walk kind of, so the controls are kind of wonky, adds to the fact that you're not Chris Redfield from Stars in this one. You're a regular ass guy. Yeah. It kind of adds to the fact that you're a very vulnerable man who doesn't know where he is and he's lost and it's a struggle. Yeah, I think I think um, Team Silent have sort of said, particularly with the first one, that it was like it was a very deliberate choice to make the gunplay in particular feel awkward yeah. because Harry isn't trained with firearms; he's just doing his best. Yeah, so it makes sense that he wouldn't be able to, you know, automatically snap, lock on aim, and jump between yeah, targets yeah. and stuff, you know. And when the camera kind of like works against you and it's like it wheels around and it's like you walk into a room and it's absolutely not pointed where you'd like it to be pointed and you can hear some enemy come at you, that feels like direction. That feels like horror direction to me. That feels like kind of working the game to be, maybe it might make you feel unwieldy and you might get frustrated by it, but maybe um, in the heat of the moment, you being kind of addled, you'd be confused as what they were going for, you know? Absolutely, yeah. There's a a lot of intentionality to the design, I think, in trying to evoke a sense of, if not terror, at least tension at all times. Mm. And now Silent Hill eventually goes in the direction where it's a cult, isn't it? Yeah, that's what that's one thing that's worth saying is is the the plot of this one goes weird. Um, yeah, it's a cult who's kidnapped your daughter, so they because she's needed to resurrect their god. Yeah, I like I haven't finished the replay now, so I'm working from memory here. But is it not that Harry's daughter is? adopted and was originally born in a ritual by the cult 
and that they have cast some spell to draw her back. I was I'm no joke, right? I was actually just scanning um, a Wikipedia page to see if I could help you out. Okay. And I, had, I had a few opened, I had a few tabs open, and I was fucking looking at the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that, have you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need to, uh, it, it's often toted as like, see, video game movies can be good. Okay. In, actual fact, it's, in actual fact, it's not very good. But they got the vibe. The Silent, okay. Hill, the Silent Hill energy is there, but um, I, I think it's kind of a hokey movie. Sean Bean's in it, right? Okay. I'm not even exaggerating. He spends the whole movie wandering around confused. He's trying to find his wife and daughter, and he just spends the whole movie wandering around. It's almost like they just like filmed him in, in the studio lot. <laughs> that's my main memory of it. And fucking Pyramid Head, isn't that? But um, I think we can move on to the second game because um, that kind of ties in nicely where Silent Hill 1 goes in this direction. And I, I, li- I tend to like it. I think it's very hokey, very yeah. kind of 70s kind of... Um, I don't know, uh, Italian horror movie. Yeah, so just something yeah, about, yeah. About, sure. about, about the cult and all that, you know? But it's that's in direct, um, it's the direct opposite of what the second game is. So they're almost kind of comparable in ways that, like, very key ways that are so different in that. Like, Silent Hill 1 is a very explainable plot. What's going on? Why is this town so evil? Cult. Yeah. They're trying, they got your daughter, Harry. The second game, which has you play as a brand new protagonist, James Sunderland. As you return, as has him going to Silent Hill because he receives a letter from his dead wife, which is you know great, great, great beginning, great way to get an interesting way to set up a story. But that is a game that there's no cult. This is a game that has no interest in explaining itself. This yeah. is a game in metaphors and subtext, and it is it might seem weird to use this word, but it is an absolutely beautiful game. Yeah, uh, Horror, horrifying and horrible. Beautiful. Like it's just as a piece of fucking design, Kev, I adore Silent Hill 2. Yeah, I'd say if if the first one is like a David Lynch story, then the second one is like David Cronenberg's take on crime and punishment. It is <laughs> Did you have that written down? That was very good. <laughs> I that was, never tell. That was very good, Kev. You're a very clever chap, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I get that a lot. But it is. It's 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 a game that seems to be very preoccupied with the idea of guilt. hundred uh, percent. And um 100%. And sort of almost like physical manifestations of, of of guilt and realizing that sort of internal horror externally. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's an absolute masterpiece. I think a lot of people adore it, quite rightly. I think a lot of people, it's it's the game that gets brought up a lot from the franchise in, if people are talking sort of best game of all time type conversations. Yeah. Um, I might personally prefer the first one. Sure. Um, but I'm like I'm not going to deny the second one is an absolute masterpiece. Well, I think yeah, that thing I said earlier on about you know like, and I'm, I'm when I'm saying this, I'm not like um, being sh- shitty towards games or anything as an industry, but th- that kind of lack of properly mature games, especially back in the early 2000s, you know, Silent Hill two at the time, this was before like the the rise of indie games and like seeing like a lot of interesting stuff come out of that. Silent Hill two really felt like this like really special thing and i'm sorry i'm saying this is someone who didn't play it at the time yeah retroactively looking back when it came out right that it really did stand above the crowd in terms of this being a truly kind of adult piece of storytelling like really dark themes really dark kind of um directions the plot goes in like in terms of um the maturity of that it was like far beyond the other things you were playing on playstation 2 at the time give or take maybe a sons of liberty 
Yeah, where, for sure. Where the, where the president cups you to make sure that you're a man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, and it's, and I, like I said, I love the cult thing in um, Silent Hill 1. I often hear it being used as a negative just because Silent Hill 2 is so much more ambitious and kind of, you know, metaphorical and all that. But I don't like kind of comparing them as a negative. It's just, it's just, it's very interesting to see two very similar games shoot off in different directions and kind of feel very different from it. But it does mean for me that Silent Hill 2 is the better game because of that because its story is so fascinating yeah i i can i can definitely see that for sure and it is it's 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 a, it's an excellent story really well told are um, we going to spoil it <laughs> um yes yeah fuck it it's 20 years old james sunderland is horny and monsters are fighting him that's mm. the spoiler yep so the the, the icon uh, one, one interesting thing about it is the iconic um, nurses in silent hill you know they're one of the most iconic enemies in the series yeah. they didn't get sexy until the second one in this in the first game they're just like zombo nurses coming at you mm-hmm. but then suddenly the iconic sexy evil zombie nurses of silent hill 2 are into the scene and why are they designed all sexy is because james sunderland has a lot of repressed sexual issues <laughs> yeah he's horny and he's guilty about his horny because of his dead wife uh spoilers james sunderland uh essentially kind of maybe mercy killed his wife not really he was just he, he, he was tired of taking care of her and yeah he did he did love her it's just but it's just that she was so ill that his life had become revolved around taking care of her and he had like repressed uh, sexual issues because of that he was very horny when his wife couldn't satisfy him because she was fucking dying and yeah silent hill that thing you said earlier on about and making the internal external that's what that that that's really what it is and all the kind of enemies in the game are kind of uh, metaphors of what's going on inside James. So that's why the the nurses get sexy. That's why um, the enemies, like in a very abstract ways, kind of look like bondage almost. They kind of look mm. kind of they kind of the main kind of ghouly enemy that you're fighting in the streets of Silent Hill looks like kind of someone kind of roped up and kind of you know with their limbs kind of um, yeah kind of pulled into their chest and stuff like that. And, but, and obviously you have the the. The now iconic um, pyramid head, yes, as as the main sort of physical manifestation of his guilt, and you know that big old knife the pyramid head drags along behind him, being sort of a a direct sort of visual cue to the sort of the pain that James feels over his guilt. You know, because James wants to be punished. That's, That's the thing. Silent Hill is giving him what he wants. Essentially, he kind of. He gets lured there because inside he knows he 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 knows he's a he's scum who killed his wife and he wants to be punished. And Pyramid Head, obviously not explicitly stated in the game, but yeah, that's the kind of manifestation of his kind of um his wish to be punished. It's very much like a living hell, really, Silent Hill, isn't it? And I love, I always love the concept of hell in media, like in Sandman and stuff. You're a Sandman fan, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, I was Where... just going to say Sandman. You just reminded me of it. <laughs> it's where the, the idea that the people in hell can leave if they want but the the scary the truly scary thing about it is they're only in hell because they believe they deserve to be in hell and that's kind of uh silent hills um silent hill 2's whole fucking vibe actually i watched um clips of silent hill 2 in preparation for this kev and um do you remember the the scene that um introduces the now iconic pyramid head it's like really unpleasant (laughs) it's really you're hiding in a closet and he's like the graphics are so kind of, it's almost, I don't know if, the, if it's the rudimentary 2D or PS2 3D graphics or it's like they designed it this way on purpose, but he's doing something 
that just you know it, it's not really anything but it's sexual and violent to an, to another enemy yeah and it's so funny it's so funny <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> no it's not funny but i watching that clip it's so quick and that got bored into my memory when i when i first played it, and i thought it was this much longer much more ex- explicit thing that might be like the key to the horror of Silent Hill 2. That's not that explicit or long, but it is. It just, it stays with you. Because yeah. James meets other characters in, like, you meet other characters in Silent Hill 1 as well. Um, like, Sabul, the cop, and they're helping you out, or maybe not. But when, when James meets people in Silent Hill 2, it's all very abstract. And you get the feeling that they're not seeing the same things he is. Mm-hmm. Like they know that heightened reality thing I was talking about is like dialed up in Silent Hill 2 where like nothing feels right. Why aren't these people like talking about like the monsters and the evil that's around? What what are they seeing? And I guess the kind of reading of it is they're in their own personal hells that Silent Hill is showing them. Yeah. And there's some really dark stuff that comes out of that. Like it's almost like so kind of dark. I don't want to talk about it in like detail. It's better for like someone to play the game and, and kind of um, perceive it. But there's a girl who you meet who... And you you fight a boss around it. It looks very much like someone writhing in a bed, and kind of her kind of what her backstory is like and what her trauma is is just so horrible. And to see the manifestations of it in like awesome but really like stomach churning boss design is just like really fucking interesting to thing for a game to do. Yeah, absolutely. You do you you get the feeling that the the other characters, the NPCs that you run into in Silent Hill Two, are all there to sort of suffer their own punishments as well um mm. that they, they probably all have their own pyramid head equivalents or some unspeakable horror that they see too that we don't get to see because we just see james's path through it like one of the reasons why i think it's one of my favorite games of all time and, and especially when i was younger i just like absolutely fell in love with this game is to use these elements like uh enemies like we said like in the places you visit and bosses to kind of tell this very small internal story but telling it with the tools of video games this is one of the first times i went ha huh, that's something you can do as a game designer yeah and and then as it turns out it was all a dog <laughs> well yes just different endings actually in all the silent hill games and there's always a piss take one where it's like a dog who's controlling the whole thing with switches <laughs> so, which, I, which, yeah. I, which i love actually i wonder what ending you're going to get in silent hill one actually yeah i'm curious because it's all very subtle, not clear decisions you make through the game that um, kind of determine what ending you get. I always yeah. remember in Silent Hill 2, there's no real happy ending to Silent Hill 2, but I first time I played it, James just, James just drove into a river and killed himself at the end of it. I was like, cool, that will <laughs> stay with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that's some trauma I'm going to carry for a while now. But it wasn't like, I, I, I'm being facetious, but it was actually kind of just like, wow, I was really affected by it. I was like, wow, that game was absolutely haunting and really sad. And games that try to be haunting and really sad don't often get there. Yeah, and, and that's why I think the best thing about Silent Hill Two is, is that like it aims for these deeply disturbing, mature themes and absolutely um, earns them. Yeah, it um it it definitely sticks the landing all right. And that's kind of actually the last main line Silent Hill game I've played, Cove. Yeah, likewise. Um, I have a list. So... It's not a physical list. I should okay. make it. A, I should make a, a physical list, maybe, <laughs> but of games that I, I want to get to. That's the exciting thing about being a fan of things, Kev, is there's always things you haven't played or watched or read. And always, for years and years, the top of this list has been Silent Hill 3 and Silent Hill 4, The Room. Mm-hmm. I just haven't got around to them. Yeah. Um, 
they both sound really interesting to me. I, I, I don't yeah. know how I kind of missed them and continued missing them for about two decades. I don't want but, to talk about them too much because like, I, I'd just be talking about what I know and I'd, I haven't played them. But I believe three goes back to the culty stuff of one and four mm-hmm. is the kind of more metaphorical one. So it's kind of like cult, metaphor, cult, metaphor. That's the kind of structure of those first four Silent Hill games. Yeah, and then after the first four, I suppose we move from Team Silent um, out to the, the different Western dev teams. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, Origins Downpour. I could look this up and make better content, but what's the other one? Downpour is, Downpour is the most recent one. I think it's um, Origins and Shattered Memories were both made by Climax um, and were written and designed by uh, Sam Barlow. Mm. And Homecoming and Downpour were both made by a team called Double Helix. Okay. I think they released like every second one, Origins, then Homecoming, then Shattered Memories, then Downpour. And the main thing I know of just being a person who uses the internet and, and goes to places where people are talking about video games over the years is that people always lamented these games. People always wanted like um, the original Japanese devs and Team Silent to make these games known. People don't really like these Western ones, but uh, Kev, I love Shattered Memories and I, I don't care who knows it, loud and proud. I think it is a fascinating game, and it's severely underrated. Yeah, to be honest, that is the the other game uh, today that I have played, and it's the one that yes. I played like last week yes. for the first time. And oh, buddy, I fucking loved it. Little hidden gem, isn't it? It's so good. I think the problem with this, and this is, I don't know, maybe I don't know where I'm going with this. I think it suffered from being Silent Hill, essentially. Because it, it's not yeah. Silent Hill. It's a, it's a remake of one, okay? It's a retelling of one in a way. It's a same premise. It's um, James, or no, no, it's not. It's the other lad. It's Harry Mason. Harry. Yeah, he crashes and he's searching for his daughter in Silent Hill. But that's like literally the only difference. It goes off in a completely different direction from there. There's no culture, any of that. It plays completely differently. And I don't know how this would work. I'm sure people would go, they copied the premise of Silent Hill 1. But I almost wish it wasn't a Silent Hill game. I almost wish it was, maybe it was just a game called Shattered Memories that yeah. it could just be its own thing because it's because people at the time were like crying out for a new Silent Hill game. They still are. So it was harder to kind of, it was harder to kind of um, lure people in with such a radical change because it doesn't feel like Silent Hill. It doesn't like look like Silent Hill. And if it was just its own thing, maybe it would it wouldn't it came lumbered with that like initial hate. But I think yeah. it's been dis- I think it's been discovered, and I think it does have like you know there are dozens of us. I think it has this little following, and I'm really glad that you liked it because um, I I look back at the Wii, and the Wii is Mario Galaxy. The Wii is like um, Twilight Princess. The Wii is um, Zach and Wiki, <laughs> the Curse of Barbosa's Treasure, <laughs> and and for me the Wii is Silent Hill: Shattered Memories. It's one of for me the iconic games of that and one of the most underrated yeah i just I, I finished playing it and i just first thing i was was just in awe of the absolute stones on the guys who made this team <laughs> the direction they went yeah because listen they at climax they had made uh silent hill origins mm-hmm. two years previously which was uh a prequel to the first game which kind of got like an okay at best reception yeah. um then the year after Origins, uh, Double Helix put out Silent Hill Homecoming, which again got a kind of lukewarm reception. And at that point, like Silent Hill fans were firmly on the Western Studios can't make Silent Hill games train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Climax took a look at this environment, this sort of the mood towards Western Studios making Silent Hill games. And they went, you know what we'll do? 
will remake the first one <laughs> and completely change everything. Yeah, and just go go in a direction. Yeah. And like and not only will we remake it, we'll make it for the Wii with motion controls. <laughs> and you hold up the little Wiimote to your ear and get phone calls on it, like a little Fisher Price toy. And it's supposed to be this really like mature horror game. But it works. But you I, I suppose you what did you play it on when you played it recently? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I actually played the uh I played the PSP version of it, but I played it on my PSP. Yeah, job. yeah, yeah. Because so, uh, despite the fact that I think it's quintessentially a Wii game, yeah, it, it was multi-console. It wasn't just on the Wii. Yeah, so I, I missed out on the um, the the phone answering gimmick with the, <laughs> the Wii mode, which I gotta say, I'm normally not a fan of Nintendo's gimmicky motion control shtick. <laughs> yeah, but that one actually sounds really fun. I remember forcing you to play WarioWare uh, <laughs> smooth, smooth Moves, which is the Wii Wario game. Yeah, which is just you don't have to. But the game would like if you did the funny kind of like poses with the Wii remote, like, oh, put it on your nose like an elephant and then do this minigame. And you were just not having it. No, it's because I can't experience suck the energy. Yeah, suck the energy right out of it. I was like, oh, cool. My friend Kev's coming over and, was, and he was like, I'm not engaging with this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like I, I just have a mental block with the WarioWare games. And um, my partner Sarah loves them. I, I got her one. Yeah, for the, Switch, the, the, the new Switch one. Yeah, I think I think it's still in the shrink wrap downstairs. Oh no, because she doesn't want to play it alone, and I won't play it with her. God's sake! I fucking was over visiting you a couple months ago. We should keep busting it out. Yeah, believe, next time you're over. Believe this. I can believe this. <laughs> okay, but let's talk about shattered memories. Um, we, to talk to, to talk about this game in any interesting way, we have to spoil it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So the, the, it, it's worth, I guess, setting up the framing of it first. Well, it's like I said, he he crashes his car and he's and he's missing his seven year old daughter, Cheryl, and he's trying to find her in a spooky town of Silent Hill. There is a framing device, however, of uh, a psychiatrist talking to you, the player, and every now and then you cut back in, in points in the story. You cut back to that psychiatrist's office and you answer questions, you do things, and the decisions you make talking to that psychiatrist is all very vague and unexplained. Decisions you make start affecting the game in kind of really interesting ways, and I thought at the time, like I or maybe even now, I don't know. I'd never seen anything like this game. I thought it was very clever. Yeah, it's really cool. Like at one stage, they ask you to like color in a drawing of your home. Yep. And then the next scene is Harry arriving at that house, and it's the it'll follow it. the color scheme that you've used. Yeah, and decisions you make kind of changes how characters are dressed that you meet and stuff <laughs> like that. And it's just it's it's not nothing too major. Have you played um? Uh, oh, Liam brought up a game and he can't remember what it's called. That's okay. It's that horror game that's that what I'll just, what it went, uh, Remy, Oscar winning Remy Malik getting murdered by a Wendigo. Oh, uh, until dawn, until dawn, yes, yeah, until dawn. And when I am not being nasty and saying they stole the idea because, um, great art copies, I'm a believer in that, I'm a believer in that. But it has uh, Peter Stormare as a psychiatrist man talking to you, and the game intermittently cuts away to him. And I was like, cool. Shattered Memories absolutely did this first. Yeah, it's probably it's, a fraction of the amount of people have played it in compared to Until Dawn, but like it absolutely did it first. And it is, it's it's like a note for note cover. Yeah, it's it's the same damn thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, do you want like you played it recently? Because so it's probably more fresh in your mind. Do you want to like uh, talk me through? What did you think of that ending? <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> did not see it coming. Oh, and um, you said you said they had the, sto- the stones to go through with this because. This is an ambitious uh, narrative, to say the least, and easily could have been dog shit. It's asking a lot of... I'm, I'm, I'm dancing around it now. I'm being so big. Yeah. It's a, but it asks a lot of the player to accept 
uh, in terms of the direction the narrative goes in. And if they didn't pull it off, it would have been like crap. Like, like I think like a lot of people think it is, but they do, I, man. They do. That ending works. I can imagine a lot of people who didn't finish the game think it's absolute shit. Yeah, because yeah, the ending it's, it's so retroactively makes it better. Yeah, exactly. So the game is a very, very loose reimagining of the first one. And even calling it a reimagining is being charitable. It's it's its, its own thing. Um, all of the NPCs that you encounter throughout it are named after or kind of based on characters from the first game. Like the nurse is named Lisa. The um, the psychiatrist is named Kaufman. It's the same as the like the hospital director in the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a character called Dahlia. There's a Dahlia in yep. the cult in the first game. Yep. Um, but they're not in any way like one-to-one analogs. They're something different. And the more the game progresses, the more these differences start to be sort of leveraged against you. Like things start getting a bit weird. When Harry arrives at his home, like I mentioned there, after you do your little coloring job, he arrives at his home to find that other people are living there and have no idea who he is. Um, when you explore the high school, Harry finds records that show that the seven-year-old daughter he's looking for is somehow now an adult, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one scene where uh, Harry leaves a room for a second, and when he comes back in, the NPC who was waiting for him has changed to a completely different person who doesn't recognize that anything is wrong. Yep. There's, um, there's a character who dies in a car crash in the middle of the game and then just calls you up a little bit later with no memory of what happened. And this is all very intriguing while you're playing and you're kind of like, look, like genuinely, I'm not being sassy or anything. You're like, what is going on here? And the direction that it ultimately goes in is like even more out there than you can imagine. Yeah. So basically, like you, you get through the game's seven chapters or so um, and you finally get to the Silent Hill lighthouse, which is where you've, you've been told that Cheryl is. And it's it's gotten so like almost like vague and metaphorical at this point. You're kind of like, why is like what's happened? What my runaway daughter? Why would she be in a lighthouse? You're like, what, like the, the story is really not making sense at this point. Yeah, and the way you get there is you steal a boat, which then like snap freezes in the middle of the lake, and you run across the ice, and then you get killed by monsters, and then you come back, <laughs> and then you finally wash up at the foot of the lighthouse where the cop character shows up. Um, and she tells you that Harry Mason has been dead for 15 years, but that she believes you're Harry Mason. Yeah. And then you go into the lighthouse. And what I think, one the, I think what is one of the best video game endings of all time happens, where you're, you cut back to the POV of you talking to the psychiatrist, and he's basically telling you, you know, you got to move on with your life. You've got to get over your dad. He's dead. Harry Mason walks through the door. The character you've been playing as the whole time walks through the door. You as a POV look at him and it cuts and you're playing the whole time as an adult. No, you're not playing, but the person at that psychiatrist's office is an adult Cheryl who is not over the death of her dad. And Kev, how (laughs) how ambitious to make an entire game essentially a visual metaphor? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I was really... you're, You're essentially playing of this imagined version of this woman's dad who passed when she was young. A, a, a man who she doesn't truly know because she was just a child, but she has this idealized version of him and this idea that he'd crawl from the wreckage of the car and come find her and come save her. And the whole game is actually, like I said, a visual metaphor for this woman getting over the death of her father and moving on or not, depending on choices you make. Yeah. 
brilliant. <laughs> I think <laughs> phenomenal. Yes, it's so good. Um, I can I can maybe see. Actually, no, I can't. I was going to say that I can maybe see people being unhappy with that ending, but I, I like I said, I I true. I think Silent Hill Shattered Memories has a lot of things going for it. I mean, you can hold the Wii remote up to your face and and answer phone calls. Brilliant. I do think I do think it absolutely elevates the entire thing. Like retroactively makes the game better. And, you know, completely unforgettable, in my opinion. Like, I look back, like, as I look back at the Wii and Shattered Memories is right up there as one of the things I remember playing um, the yeah. most. One thing, one thing I loved about it was that the game fucking knows it as well. It knows how good its <laughs> ending is. Because <laughs> as the credits roll, you see the, the, the psychiatrist's report, a preliminary report um, on Cheryl, mm-hmm. where he kind of, based on choices you've made throughout the game and stuff, he gives a little write-up about what sort of person he thinks Cheryl and, by proxy, you are. And then the last paragraph is sort of, we'll have to start again in the next session. Um, I think with the information we have now, we might see things in a different light. Where the game yeah. is basically telling you, we know how good this ending is. Play it again, and you'll experience the game and in a yeah, whole new way. A whole new way, because yeah, and I have played it exactly two times. Uh, I did, <laughs> I did do it. I, I don't even remember that game, but I must have like, <laughs> must have read that. And went, yeah, I will. So almost, <laughs> almost angrily, fine, developer, I'll play it again. But I mean, uh, like. Uh, the 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 plotting and the sort of the the twist aside, it's mechanically a really solid little horror game uh, as well. Do you know what's really funny that we went through Silent Hill one and Silent Hill two, and I don't know all the things we recovered. We failed to mention that sometimes Silent Hill shifts into a hellish version of itself. Yeah, Sir- sirens play, and like it's one of the most iconic things about the game. I was just thinking of it there. Obviously, it's one of the big deals of Silent Hill one and two is that there's like Silent Hill is scary enough, but sometimes it shifts into an evil version of itself and. What's very great about that? I'm, I'm circling back. I don't care. What's really great about that is like when it happens, you you, you feel it. You're like so kind of terrified. It's like it feels like so kind of like choking. You're like, no, I don't want to be in the evil silent until right now. You know, so that that is always depicted as looking very kind of rusty, right, and bloody. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Silent Hill Shattered Memories mixes that up. Um, it's all ice based, right? It's uh, yeah. Silent Hill freezes essentially. Uh, which is kind of one of the things like I remember people really hating at the time, actually, Kev, the look of Silent Hill, that they'd got rid of that kind of, you know, uh, I don't know. what, what Sort you of call blood it? slash rust aesthetic. Rust aesthetic. And it is kind of, I think, um, maybe a slight criticism of Shattered Memories is that there's no monsters around until Silent Hill shifts into its frozen form. Yeah. So the game actually kind of signifies when you should be scared and when, you, when you're, when mm. you're um, threatened, which kind of makes it not a scary game, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, because I don't think it's trying to be True. in the same way as the other games. Because I suppose it's worth mentioning as well that there's no uh, combat in this game. No, you don't, no, ha- you don't have weapons. You don't have any recourse or way to fight back against the monsters. All you can do is run. Um, yeah, and, and there's only one type of enemy. Only one type of enemy, exactly, yeah. And it's all these sort of... They're basically, rather than combat sections, they're more scripted chase set pieces. And they work where you just need to run through an area. Sometimes you need to like backtrack to solve a puzzle or something, but in general, you're just legging it. Yeah, and they're little gremlins. And since we've already talked about the ending, they're supposed to be childlike. They're you know, essentially yeah. making, supposed to be evil gremlin children. But yeah, you have to run away from them while kind of navigating the areas. And I think they're properly tense. Like I said, yeah. I don't think it's a scary game. You don't feel like unnerved and kind of like stuck in the game like you like you do in a good old classic Silent Hill but those bits are properly tense go back and watch a classic episode like of almost 10 years ago of, of Game Grumps and then two, two lads are playing it and they are screaming 
<laughs> saying that that because it's genuinely like the most tense thing because the level design is purposefully um labyrinthine and kind of um like you're, you're supposed to get confused and kind of yeah. when you when you do get confused and you're literally you have to think on your feet like where am i going and there's these things screeching at you and jumping on your back it's it works the whole thing comes together it's great absolutely yeah yeah um one thing i didn't notice until after i had finished it and sort of had to think back but like there's no um there isn't one of those sections for like the last third of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think these guys, and I'm, I'm just saying this as a, a neutral statement. I think they, they were more interested in making <laughs> their story, this interactive story they came up yeah. with than a hard, than a horror game. I think that's fair. Hmm. I think if that is the stated objective of it, they've yeah. absolutely nailed it. But as, as a survival horror game, it, it just isn't. It um, isn't and, exactly. It's not yeah. what it is. And slapping the name Silent Hill on that is just too sacrilegious for some people to get over. And I, I, yeah. I kind of get it. I'm actually kind of convincing myself while talking on this. But that's why I said it would be so nice to have be separated from that franchise and just be its own thing because it is just its own thing. It's so unique. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if if that is actually the case because I know Konami were taking a lot of pitches at the time for just random unrelated games to slap um, IP on. Maybe, maybe. One example being a game that I played for the first time today, just to check it out, mm-hmm. is the uh, Silent Hill Book of Memories. I, I, I only remember... What is that, actually? You have to tell me. I, I, okay. I remember that happening, and I remember people hating it. Yeah, I can completely see why people hate it, but <laughs> i got to be honest with you. Well, I kind of like it. No, so yeah, what, so go on, go on, elevate so, Okay, Silent Hill Book of Memories is basically the least Silent Hill game imaginable. <laughs> It is it is like an isometric uh, RPG oh dungeon crawler. Really? It is I'll tell you what it is exactly. It is a janky clone of Diablo where you've replaced the swords and sorcery with, with like pro- crowbars and guns. Yeah, yeah, okay. And and like the orcs and goblins are now sexy nurses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not um, against it. But this was a time when um this would have been a time when Silent Hill was kind of disappearing and people weren't liking the games that were being made. So it must have like really stuck in their craw at the time to get this wholeheartedly un-Silent Hill thing. I can only imagine. Um, <laughs> but like divorced from that expectation, um, it's actually like, it's a, pre- it's a pretty solid like looter RPG. Yeah. Um, it's sort of, the premise is that you have your, your like your player created character, which is you know, sacrilege for a Silent Hill game. There's not a named protagonist with their own trauma, but um, <laughs> your character gets a delivery of a book. Um, the delivery is sent to you from the town of Silent Hill. The, okay. the return address is just Silent Hill. Very um, good. Very and the book <laughs> is a record of your entire life up to that moment. Ooh. And your protagonist is kind of like, well, what if I was to go back in and change something? It's like, oh. I got passed over for a promotion there recently. What if I go back and change that? And they do, and they get sucked into this nightmare world where you have to complete a couple of like pretty straightforward um, dungeon crawly bits. There's maybe a little like puzzle to solve at the end. Puzzle normally being like, go find three keys to open this door. Then you fight a boss. Then the character wakes up and finds that the change that they've implemented in the book has come through in real life. So you're almost like playing these kind of um, little combat dungeon sections and the reward is like the, the player character is, is getting their wish granted, essentially. Is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not a bad premise for what no, the thing is. No. And it's a little it, bit over, a little bit more than was needed, I think, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to like stress now, like if you're imagining how good that idea could be, that's not this game. This game is yeah. fine. 
It almost is wasted, doesn't it? Because that's actually not a bad premise for a game. Yeah. That's not a premise for a, not a bad premise for a real Silent Hill game. Yeah, for sure. Oh, wait, what a what a, <laughs> what a what a singular thing. At least <laughs> you can say that about it. So I, I'll apologize to any if any mega Silent Hill fans are listening to this. I apologize that we're not able to talk about Silent Hill Three, Silent Hill Four, The Room someday. But I think we got yeah. one more that both of us have played, right, Kev? Yeah, I believe we played it together. Was that we your first? Did. Yeah, we, we did. We did. Yeah. Uh, can I can I say can I say something like really um, hyperbolic? Go for it. Yeah, I think the game, which is PT, I think is if any singular thing could sum up the PS4 era, that era, whatever that generation, mm-hmm. I think PT is it. I think it, it 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 is like the most interesting thing that happened during that entire generation of games, and it should it should have revolutionized and changed the norm of how, how things are released, how games are marketed, but instead it ends up becoming just this beloved curio. So yeah, PT is basically uh, a playable teaser. It's a, a demo that was designed and devised by Mad Genius slash game developer Hideo Kojima. Um, oh, as that, the, that little rascal. Yeah, uh, intended as a sort of teaser for a new Silent Hill game tentatively titled silent hills Mm. um it was released on the playstation store under like a dummy developer name it was this big mystery that you kind of had to finish it to get the reveal it came out of nowhere yeah it wasn't advertised or anything it just suddenly appeared yeah and and spread by word of mouth this sort of guerrilla viral marketing thing Um, it was so it was so interesting at the time it really did feel like i don't know it might sound a bit cheesy but it just felt like one of those events that brought all us gamers together, <laughs> you know, because it, it, it just it, it was something so sudden and so fascinating. Uh, I never owned it. <laughs> yeah, I played it. I, I played it in yours, but um, I didn't have a PS4 at the time, which is yeah. really fr- which is really frustrating because uh, you can't get it anymore. Well, yeah, thanks to Konami's bizarre yeah. and acrimonious split with Kojima, the um. Silent it's, Hills, the project was shelved. Never saw the light of day. Never saw the light of day. They yeah. went so far as as to take the demo back off the stores and uh, like disable people from reinstalling it. So even people who have had it before can't reinstall it. They've they've done their best to wipe it from existence. So that's lost media. And if you have a PS4 with it downloaded, do not delete it. Essentially, yeah, yeah, they, get it back, and it's worth money. Worth yeah, money. they're regularly selling online for. 500 plus bucks um, would you you, have, you i assume you have a ps4 with it on it would you sell it i have a ps4 with pt on it and it's like sitting in a wardrobe in my man's <laughs> house in limerick and no i probably still won't sell it to be honest spin that spin that shit into gold man yeah i don't know i don't think i can let it go <laughs> what, what, what if i want to play pt again <laughs> so when do you want to play pt again i don't know <laughs> next year because despite how excellent it is um <laughs> I don't know if I ever want to play it again. I think one of the most genuinely effective uh, pieces of horror media I've ever experienced. Absolutely fantastic. And here's the great thing about it because it was free and it came out of nowhere and it was this experimental thing, like you said, a playable teaser. It gave, it gave the devs carte blanche to kind of throw the rule book out of how to design a game. Because in a lot of ways, it's not a good game, it's not a fair game. No, and 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 they have to have to win it. How to win it isn't clear. It was supposed to be this thing that just appeared, and people were like, "What the hell is this?" And it was supposed to be talked about, which it was. You know, it was a communal thing. Mm-hmm. People discussed it online, and I think 
Kojima and it was wasn't it um Gunmer del Toro as well did you say that yes yeah no I don't think it was, no, yeah, I was yeah. yeah I think they didn't think it would be finished so quickly but it was it was finished like in less than 24 hours but, yeah <laughs> but didn't, didn't Kojima say that he was sort of expecting it to take weeks for people to figure it out and <laughs> yeah like, someone had it done like literally within the first day yeah but because of, yeah because it's, it's this experimental thing it's allowed to be unfair but like I said earlier on um with the kind of bad controls maybe in Silent Hill unfairness suits horror Taking taking kind of um, control away from the player and making it unfair is, is you know making it diabolical is a good thing. The premise is you're in a, a corridor in a house that loops eternally, loops eternally, and uh, you go down the corridor. Sometimes a phone is ringing, and it's basically you have to remind me. You have to do a very specific set of things to complete the game, don't you? And to make events happen, but it's yeah. all very mon- all very mundane and unclear and. Like I said, the point the point of it was that people would talk about it online and figure it out together. It's as you said, you're you're going down this corridor. Every time you get down the stairs, at the end of it, you go through the door and you loop back to the stairs. And sort of with with each progressive loop, the place gets sort of creepier and and more haunted. Or yeah. um, like writing starts appearing on the walls. Um, you hear like a baby crying. Some doors will start slamming before you get to them and things. Um, and then most noticeably haunting wise is the presence of uh lisa mm-hmm. the, the 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 ghost haunting the place yeah um, i think you first see her like under a light at the other end of a corridor and she vanishes and then maybe you see her on a balcony like overlooking that you one, when, when you when you're in the um the main hall in that corridor and sometimes you can look up and you can see her looking down from the landing is one of the most uh, effective i'm not even going to call it a jump scare but one of the most effective scares i've ever had in the game i, I actually yeah. can still recall like the lump in my stomach when I saw when I saw her, yeah, properly scared me. And it's it like that serves to build the tension, mm. which is then released isn't the right word, but exploited. When after that point, she starts occasionally attacking you in she's a stalking, like, yeah particularly yeah, nasty you. jump scare. Yeah, um, I believe you had a very visceral reaction to getting caught by her. I uh, yeah, I was sitting right. Yeah, I hit myself in the face with the PlayStation controller. <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> it really hurt. <laughs> And that's not even made up for just fun little um, podcast story. I absolutely whacked myself in the face with the PlayStation controller playing uh, PT. Yeah. Um, you know what though? And this almost this all, all this only adds to how scary it is. We had a few drinks on us mm-hmm. as well. So I've only ever played PT drunk, and I was still terrified of. It. Yeah, because <laughs> like I said, it's it's unfair, and the reason why you get killed is not always clear. It feels like you're just being stalked by this ghost, which you are. But yeah. Uh, beneath the kind of under the hood you have to do a very specific set of of mundane things or she'll kill you right you got to do these yeah. kind of yeah and you find out you find a baby in a sink and it's like a fucking it's not even a baby what is it like a, a it's, worm or something? Know, it's, yeah it's like some sort of twisted <laughs> fetus thing it has like a beak and it's covered in blood and it's screaming at you it's it's a good time <laughs> it's one of the only games i've ever seen that like if you when people like ripped it apart like and started you know um uh guess seeing what was under the hood to use that <laughs> yeah. again it ended up being scary as well because yeah. she is programmed. She is there. You can never see her, but they made her like be a kind of an entity that is behind the player. And as soon as people kind of went in and started to kind of mess around with this game, 
and going outside the bounds. I got scared again reading about it online. I was like, that is terrifying that she's actually a thing they put into it. You can never see her. Yeah, it's, 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 kills you. it's not some scripted jump scare where like no, uh, it's not. A, a switch gets hit and she appears and attacks you. She is always there right <laughs> behind know. you. I don't, I, I'm in a dark room at the moment. I'm actually getting <laughs> like, a bit unnerved. <laughs> they absolutely did not need to render her in for that, but they chose no. to anyway. Just to uh, add wonderful. that feeling of eyes in the back of your head because she's literally yeah. right there as you play. And um, yeah, the sound design of this thing is amazing. Mm, the ambience, so the sound she makes, the sound, the sound of the baby hearing as of that that you hear in the corridor just adds to it. It's just this, like I really, I really do believe it. Like ten out of ten, one of the best things that ever happened in gaming. I'm, I'm being so hyperbolic about it. I just thought it was just wonderful experiment. And oh, absolutely, yeah. I, w- I wonder would I be so enthusiastic about it if it didn't, like if Silent Hills was eventually released, because that was the kind of reward for finishing the game. It was revealed to be a teaser for Silent Hill because it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't called anything Silent Hill. That was kind of reward to players basically discovered within 24 hours and they wanted people to take a bit longer. But I wonder if Silent Hills eventually got made, would I kind of look back at PT with such reverence or is it because it became this lost media, it became this one-time thing that I kind of put it up on a pedestal. Uh, but I do truly think it's amazing and just... Yeah, it's exciting as a gamer when it came out. It was so exciting, a piece of art, you know. Yeah, as much as I would have loved to have seen Silent Hills make it to release to see what Kojima's take on that game would be. I mean, if giving up Silent Hills was the price you had to pay to get Dead Stranding, <laughs> I might be okay with it. Yeah, there is a parallel universe where we got a new Silent Hill game instead of Dead Stranding, and then. People probably would like to sidestep into that universe, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. With, yeah. Do you think in Silent Hills, do you think there would have been monster energy drinks? Fucking <laughs> 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 sponsorship from Ride with Norman Reedus on AMC. <laughs> Forgot about that. So bad. <laughs> what did he say again? Anytime you're riding on a motorbike, there's some random dialogue that can trigger. He'll just say sometimes like, oh, this ride's smooth. Should be on ride with Norman Reedus on AMC. That is so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't know if it's clear we're talking about Death Stranding now, not PT. <laughs> <laughs> Although Norman Reedus was the, the player was. character in PT, despite the fact that you don't see him during yeah, the until, at all. Until the end, you don't see him. I think, um, oh no, did you say it's in your parents' house? Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, Kev, I think it would be, for you and Sarah, I think it would be a cool thing to do on Halloween or something around Halloween to play that again if you could, but I guess you don't. Have it. I'd love to be playing it again. I think... It's it's a really good party game as well because it's it's a uh, it's communal, you know. Yeah, it's for like, sure. It's it's scary for the people watching as well. Uh, yeah. Just an absolute like wonderful thing. Um, and on that high 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 note, I think we can wrap up, Kev. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I hope someday maybe we do Silent Hill episode again and we cover maybe. I don't. I don't honestly, honestly, I, despite how much I love Shattered Memories, I actually never had much enthusiasm for trying the other Western ones. But I'd love to play three and four sometimes, especially three, which um, I have a friend who absolutely adores that game. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd, I'd really like to play the numbered ones. I think I'd love to give Origins a go now that it's, I know that it is Sam Barlow and I know that Sam Good Barlow point. can make a crack in Silent Hill game. Yeah, you told me that. Sam Barlow is the guy who went on to make her story and... Um, telling lies. and Telling lies. Yeah, it's so crazy. I didn't know that until you told me on air you, you saved that bombshell for a podcast. And I was like, what? Yeah, well, ho- hopefully we'll, um, we'll have a new... Silent Hill game announced soon. Just to, reiterate, just to reiterate, we're recording this on what is it? It's Tuesday the eighteenth, but it's releasing tomorrow on the nineteenth. Yeah, people, there's going to be a Silent Hill announcement. If you're listening to it on the day it's released, there's going to be a Silent Hill announcement. Hopefully, it's something cool and not something crap. Um, yeah. 50-50? I think it's going to be 
Well, I mean, like the the internet rumor mill seems to be suggesting that it could be the the long rumored uh, Bloober Team game in the Silent Hill right. IP. Which right, that would be great. That'd be ideal. Mm, I'm 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 apprehensive about because the only Bloober Team game I've played is Observer, which I really liked. We actually spoke oh. about that. Oh, I got confused. Um, I thought, who are the guys who make all the remakes of Shadowed Classes and... Oh, uh, that's Bluepoint. The, the, I thought it was Bluepoint. I was like, I was excited for a second no, there. I got no. Bluepoint are actually, uh, have been bought out by Sony now. They're, they're yeah. in-house, yeah. Um, but yeah, Bloober Team, they make uh, they made Observer, they made the Layers of Fear game, they yeah, made yeah. Uh, the Medium. Um, and yeah, like I said, while I really enjoyed Observer, as discussed on episode, I want to say 38 of the podcast, if anyone wants to check that out. If you want, if you want to say it, just say it. I just did. um i i have heard some as i as i discussed on that episode i've heard some some quite questionable stuff with regards to their writing um in particularly in layers of fear and in the medium and particularly around things like mental health issues and and trauma and stuff which you kind of need to get right if you're doing a silent hill game sure it's a it's a tight like some of the stuff in two is a a tightrope to depict in in media and like they they handle it well like you know yeah yeah, I, I'm not sure I have the same faith in, in Blue Team, but we'll see. Well, I'm just like a little bit nervous because, you know, I got my Monkey Island game, Kev. It came out. One of the main things I want now, and a lot of people on the internet want, is a new Silent Hill game. So if that IP returns tomorrow, like I'm running out of things to get me through life. <laughs> what am I yeah. going to look forward to? A new you know? country? <sighs> nah. Nah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I suppose I wouldn't mind the Donkey Kong. There's rumors of a 3D Donkey Kong game. Actually, I would. I would oh um, shit! I would yeah. love that. It's, yeah. it's never. It's never manifested. But why am I talking about that? Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on Hey Look Listen. If you could share with your friends, and if you if you're listening to this on um closer to Halloween, I hope you enjoyed our <laughs> Halloween episode. <laughs> this is technically our Halloween one, right? Yeah, yeah, it, 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 yeah. <laughs> Halloween is a state of mind. Oh, I like that. That's a perfect note to end on. My name was Liam Sheehan. I was joined here by Kevin O'Carroll. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks very much now. Bye-bye.